Welcome to the Neville on Fire podcast. Neville Goddard was a 20th century spiritual teacher who offered a profound message. Your creative imagination is the very source of reality. As we learn to use it properly, life becomes intelligible and rewarding. Join your host, Ed, to explore our most valuable asset, the human imagination. This is episode 19, Are You With Me? In this episode, I'll do two things. First is a recap of the rationale for this podcast series and uh, the explanation of purpose and what you're getting involved in. The reason I'm doing this, I feel compelled to do that because my listenership is increasing and I feel it's only it's only fair, it's ethical to set out exactly what I'm trying to do and what you can expect um, and that's in exchange for you giving the time to listen to my material. By the time this episode is posted, there should be a new website with both a contact form and a space for your reviews so that anyone who wants to respond with comments, suggestions, uh, constructive criticism, and so on, that would be great um, because it's very difficult for me to track down uh, any comments that might be left on various podcast listening platforms. The second thing I want to do in today's episode is to pursue the idea of the world being your own self, your psyche, pushed out, as Neville would say, this time explored from the point of view of archetypes. Well, I made the purpose clear of this podcast series in the first episode, and I haven't really changed my mind too drastically on anything. Um, It just seems very strange to use this medium, this technology, to communicate with people. Obviously, um, I'm standing in front of a microphone, and I don't know who I'm talking to. And so I'm unknown to you with respect to everything except the sound of my voice. And of course, I don't know who you are, except, of course, a few people that I know personally. But the reason I bring that up is because the difficulty is that each person is going to have a different starting point, a different background, a different approach to the material to do with our sense of identity, our consciousness, our purpose, and so on. And it requires your engagement. And I have to ask you to see past all the personal limitations or obstacles that that I bring by virtue of the fact that, you know, my voice might be tired, uh, my approach might not suit your personal temperament. But the thing is, I'm quite sure you can see past all the technical and personal limitations. The way I compensate for that is to try to edit things down to a concentrated message of 15 to 20 minutes, respecting your time. Now let's go over my approach one more time so you know where you stand, where I stand. Um, This is an exploration of Neville's ideas. That's how I characterize it. I'm not professing. Now I might sound like I'm professing and giving very definite opinions, and I'll do that. But in, in that case, I'm professing to myself. The second thing is, this is an ordered series of ideas, as opposed to a chaotic and vague outpouring of random thoughts. I do that because the experience resulting from considering all these ideas can go so far into the irrational, to the things that are inexplicable, to the things that cannot be ordered logically. And the further along we go, the more I realize that a so-called ordered series of ideas is really an impossibility. But at least I will try to make uh, discrete topics and build a foundation. And finally, it's just as well to reiterate the warning that I gave in episode one that it's necessary for each listener to take responsibility for maintaining mental stability. I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but I think it's the right thing to say. 
So with regard to my influences, of course, this is all about Neville Goddard and his ideas, and yet I keep drawing on other sources. So I'm going to explain these. First one is uh, the fourth way, which was a um, system brought by Gurdjieff, who was a Greek-Armenian, uh, from the east to the west back in the early part of the 20th century. And the main exponent there is Uspensky, a Russian journalist who recorded in an extraordinary way uh, Gurdjieff's teaching in the early years and published that in a book called In Search of the Miraculous. And then Jung is another source that we draw on quite frequently. Now, Morris Nichol, who I've, I've quoted quite a lot, he's interesting because he first started to study with Jung. In fact, he was meant to be uh, C.G. Jung's exponent for analytical psychology in London. But he gave up what undoubtedly would have, would have been a very successful career path once he met Uspensky and heard him speak about the fourth way. So he almost immediately dropped his connection with Jung and went and studied both with Gurdjieff and then later on with Uspensky. If you look at his output, he's got a, vo a five-volume series on commentaries on the teaching of Gurdjieff and Uspensky as well as commentary and interpretation of scripture, which I think attracted Neville's attention, as well as a remarkable book called Living Time. And the other major influence that I've been quoting since episode one is Dr. Rolf, R-O-L-F, Alexander. He's pretty much unknown. The jacket cover on one of his books indicates that he met and studied with Gurdjieff. So I would say those four, uh, Gurdjieff, Jung, Nickel, and Rolf Alexander, all discrete and separate careers and yet all connected. Now I can try to summarize the message from each of those. The book In Search of the Miraculous, that is Uspensky's recording of Gurdjieff's teaching in the early years, I don't think you'll find a more cutting incisive critique of man's condition, generally speaking, both society in general and uh, an individual's personal psychology. Gurdjieff himself remarked, we remove all masks. With regard to C.G. Jung, for me, he was significant for dream analysis. I did record and analyze my own dreams. Neville himself is mindful of the biblical instruction that uh, God speaks to man through dreams and visions. Interestingly, though, when you compare that approach to that of Gurdjieff, Gurdjieff himself says, do not dream. I don't think he approved of Western psychology in any form whatsoever. Back to Jung, though, uh, what I've also found valuable is, of course, being the pioneer that he was, his extraordinary map of the human psyche with all of its different components and the aspects that are universal. Probably the best introduction is his own man and his symbols I've already mentioned that Nickel was the bridge between Jung and the Fourth Way. Where Nickel is exceptional, probably for many readers, not just me, is the way that he takes you by the hand and explains complex things um, in a very personal and sort of intimate way. You, you almost have the impression that you're sitting in the room with him. Dr. Rolf Alexander was extraordinary in his creation of exercises to help us take so much theory and bring it home into personal experience. His major work that we keep pointing back to is creative realism. And apart from that, you could look at The Doctor Alone Can't Cure You and The Mind in Healing. Now, the common thread that runs through the teaching of Gurdjieff, Jung, Nickel, and Rolf Alexander is objective consciousness, self-awareness. That's what they're all about. So then, of course, we come to Neville. Why don't we focus more on Neville's ideas? I guess we should. But 
Um, I gave a YouTube channel called 100 Kilowatt where you can hear Neville's lectures in the original. Um, a lot of them remastered, so the quality is good. I also gave you the website for uh, a lot of Neville's written works, which have been recorded in audiobook format, free access. To answer the question, I believe Neville's position, his message, is fundamental. It's more, it goes to the heart of answering the existential questions. So even someone like Jung, for all his you know extraordinary profundity and his pioneering activity and his output, he shies away from the possibility of calling an identity between God, the creative source, and man himself. Nor do the other ones do it. Nicol, Gurdjieff, Alexander, they all seem to have a, almost a conventional historical view of Jesus Christ. Neville is the only one to have taken the idea of a psychological interpretation and take it to its logical conclusion and have the courage of his convictions and say, our psyche, the mind of man, and the creative source, God, are identical. Now, of course, that's not megalomania. He explained, using support from scripture, how the creative source decided, took a decision, to lay himself down and die within the form of the human being. And this explains the origin of the eternal task of man to somehow access the divine and allow it to awaken within him. I found it remarkable recently listening to videos um, on the Academy for Ideas channel um, about the ideas of, let's say, uh, Jung and Nietzsche and uh, other philosophers, and they summarize the person's central position and then eventually arrive at some sort of a, an impasse where Jung says, well, we can't go there because it's transcendental and therefore it's unanswerable. And the nihilists, the existentialists, uh, are particularly hopeless when it comes to ultimate questions. They didn't have Neville's insight. Again, we find that it's someone who's uh, sort of a relative unknown, someone who's uneducated, unqualified, but had persistence and intuitive capacity. That's the person who arrived at this extraordinary conclusion that is so worthy of our consideration. Now, Neville does talk about various topics, including, let's say, the subconscious. But there's a lot that he doesn't cover as foundational work, and that's why I go back to Gurdjieff, Jung, Nicol, and Alexander. So Neville starts at the top, as it were. He starts with the supreme idea, and he keeps reiterating this idea and approaching it from different angles. I think it's helpful to draw on these other authors who set the stage and prepare us in different ways to be able to even consider and to try to entertain and internalize Neville's ideas. So that's the end of the first part of this broadcast, and I feel better having set out again just the, the assumptions, the rationale, and the expectations so that you understand clearly what you're getting into if you continue to listen to this podcast. And by all means, uh, as I say, give me some feedback, and in your remarks you can include suggestions for topics that I should cover. So now let's turn our attention to this idea that the world is you pushed out. The seeming external world is actually a reflection of your own psyche. The last time we considered this um, to any great extent, I guess, was back in episode two. And we talked about how parallel ideas are found in Eastern scripture. The idea is in the Hermetica, as well as the quote from Blake, which is, although it appears without, all that you behold is within, in the human imagination. So I'm coming back around to this idea because I, I guess I'm trying to 
encourage you to approach it again. It's a difficult idea. It's not a natural idea. It's something that takes effort to try to understand and experience, even by experiment. But here's one way to look at it. You know, we're familiar with synchronicities. Things that are seeming coincidences come up and they say, oh, how could that have happened? That was, <laughs> statistically, that was impossible. So it was just uh, an extraordinary um, reflection of what was going on in my mind, and we call that a synchronicity. But to get a glimpse of Neville's idea, it's to experience a synchronicity, to experience the encounter of something in the external, the seeming external world, that you had been contemplating mentally. And all of a sudden, you perceive that the thing that you're looking at, the thing that you're encountering in a physical sense, is actually mind. It is actually mind itself. I think when you reach that point, then you cross a certain barrier, you cross a certain boundary, you start to do this reversal. Now, I said in the introduction that we were going to look at this from the point of view of archetypes. Well, that's what I'm talking about. It's the encounter with the archetype. Now, they take care to explain in Jungian psychology, you know, the archetype is not just a symbol or an image. It's some sort of an organizing principle, and it can express in different ways. So, you know, when I was reviewing that and thinking on recent experience, I can clearly identify three examples, and two were very startling. Uh, just like Neville says, it scares man to discover the power within him. Uh, and then the third example was not scary, but it was very inspiring. In fact, that one was connected with uh, John Searle, who I mentioned in the last episode. So if you go and check the uh, documentary on John Searle, you'll see what I'm talking about. There's something there, uh, not only in the character of the man and his thought process, but in what he created that just goes right to the heart of, <laughs> of our project here of Conscious Realization. The parallels of John Searle's experience with that of Neville are very interesting. There was an inability to realize his project, not just for lack of money, but it was just the lack of sincere intent on the part of the people he was dealing with. There was vulgarization or incapacity to understand. People, as John Searle said, would rather believe in lies than believe in the truth. That's how absurd things become. He also said that we are up against a barrier which is called scientific expertise. If they don't understand it, if they can't replicate it, then they don't want to know. And I think that's exactly what Neville was up against. One thing is for certain, if you have a desire to look into this and you ask yourself the question, you pray or meditate on the topic, ask your subconscious for help, it's going to respond. That's one of the laws that we learn from from Jung. Of course, it has to be a sincere question. The deeper self is going to respond. It's a guarantee. But beware, because you don't know how it's going to respond, and it might startle you, depending on the nature of the image that is presented to you in 3D physical reality. And if you want to explore what Neville is offering, and actually, you know, become a master at manifestation, if that's what you really want, then it's worth your while to try to explore this explanation of what reality is all about. Now, it might be very disconcerting, but at the same time, it might give you an, a feeling of extraordinary confidence to realize 
as I pointed out in episode two, that the seeming external world is not this independently existing malevolent force. It is simply a reflection of your own psyche, and therefore it's amenable to some kind of control. As Neville says, man can create an intelligible life for himself, but you've got to have the courage to step up and claim it with the active mind. Well, in summary then, this podcast episode was divided into two parts. The first one to review the purpose and rationale for the whole podcast series. And the second half was to review the idea of the world being pushed out from the point of view of experiencing the archetype, a reflection of your own mental activity. I'm going to put citations in the show notes for all the books that we referenced. Final reminder, send in some feedback. Thank you for listening. Remember to check the show notes and subscribe to the Neville on Fire podcast. 